0: Good day, and welcome to the ESPN Media Conference Call. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Allie Stoneberg. Please go ahead, ma'am. Thanks so much. Hello, everyone. It's great to be back with you for these NFL Draft Media Conference Calls. As many of you remember from years past, our goal is to make this time as efficient and content-packed as possible. So I respectfully ask you to please skip any personal greetings and start right away with your question. ESPN NFL draft analyst Mel Kuyper Jr. is on the line with me and we're both ready to go. So we'll kick things off with Brody Miller at NOLA.com followed by Tommy Birch at the Des Moines Register. Go ahead with your question, hey, Brody.
1: So for starters, um, you know, you you mentioned your latest mock draft that Greedy Williams, you know, kind of some teams were worried about him being, can maybe tackle prone or, or avoiding tackles. How do teams kind of, you know, how do teams kind of balance that when they're evaluating him when he has those other skill sets? Well, I think the most important thing is coverage. I think that, that's something where you say everybody's not perfect. I think what Greedy needs to do is prove that he's physical enough to be able to support and tackle because that's obviously important now in the bubble screen short pass league, which is an extension of the, of the run game, is a short pass, and you've got to be able to tackle. Uh, that's been something that's been very, I think, uh, underrated with corners over the years. that you can't tackle, you just can't play with ten guys, and your defense isn't as good, and drives continue when a missed tackle. So, again, Greedy can cover. I think he struggle at time. Ton- one throws down the field this year, but that was on rare occasions. But coverage is his strength, his length, his athleticism, all that. The LSU's had a history of producing really good defensive backs, um, but I think that's the, the physicality is why maybe instead of going 4-5, maybe he drops down that 10-15, to 10-18 range.
0: We'll go to Tommy Birch, followed by Suzanne Halliburton with the Austin American Statesman.
1: Hey, Mel, I was wondering where you kind of see Iowa State's Akeem Butler and David Montgomery going, and what do they kind of need to do at the combine to um, really make their case? Well, I think for Hakeem Butler, it's basically the speed factor and being able to just, the 40 times what people are waiting on, there's a wide range of opinions. Some that I've spoken to think he could be a late first possibility. I thought about putting him in there, but I'm going to wait until after the combine to see how he runs because that's really, he's one of the key guys. That I think the, the, the 40 times is going to be important. We'll see if he's a first or he drops maybe into the third round. So there's a wide disparity there, first to third round, and but there's a mixed opinion. Uh, in terms of Montgomery, yeah, he just keeps the chains moving. He, uh, he's the guy who breaks tackles. He gets the tough yards. Um, you know, he's right now my fifth highest rated running back. Same grade as the third, so highest rated running back, which puts him in the second third round category. Uh, I think Brian Peavy, the corner, as uh, a late rounder. Uh, will be a player that makes a football team. He's a spunky, tough kid. He was had a great career at Iowa State, and I, I think of all the kids there that uh, on the defensive side of the ball that had a huge impact uh, on this football team. And it could be saying, well, he's a great college player. He's kind of limited, but that's why he's going to be more of a late round pick of a size, but Brian Peavy, really good football player.
0: Suzanne Halliburton, followed by Josh Kendall with the State Newspaper. Now, to piggyback off that question, you mentioned Hakeem Butler. Are there any other Big 12 players that you may move into the first round? And um, could you also expound upon Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown?
1: Yeah, there uh, yeah there are some that uh, I think mean, could get a Cody Ford from Oklahoma. Uh, Suzanne is a kind of borderline first round pick. Uh, He's certainly one. I think uh, you know when you look at other players, I think you know LJ Collier from TCU, not as a first, but as a guy I think could be a, a day two, early day three pick. We're obviously going to be watching Will Greer, quarterback uh, at West Virginia, very closely to see how he progresses through with pro days and things like that. So I think uh, those are some guys uh, that I would be. Keeping a very close eye on. As far as the uh, Oklahoma kids, I think Kyler Murray, the the height, the the, uh, the um, hand size, the body type, the interview is going to be important to see if he goes anywhere between four and thirteen to the first round. And Marquise Brown, obviously with Liz Frank surgery, he'll probably be ready. You would think in June. Uh, you know, I don't think that'll impact his draft position that much. I think at twelve, the Green Bay is where I projected him. I wouldn't change much off of uh, what I had based on the injury.
0: Josh Kendall, and then we'll go to Nate Ulrich with the Akron Beacon Journal.
1: Mel, where does Debo Samuel fit for you among the wide receivers, and what, if anything, can he do from this point forward to increase that stock? I think he's right in the mix. Uh, to be a solid early to mid-two, uh, I wouldn't count out late one because the receiver group is is there's some, really, I think, three first-rounders. Preston Williams from Colorado State would be in that mix. Uh, there was a one-off-the-field issue, but I think he's got a shot to get into the solid second round. Paris Campbell, Ohio State, and Debo Samuel all have a similar grade, and Nikhil Harry, Arizona State. I think Samuel at, at Senior Bowl week really helped himself. Obviously, he's a kid who's got great versatility. He's got explosiveness. I'd say he doesn't get past the early to mid at worst the late second but I think he's a solid second round pick right now
0: Nate Ulrich and then Dylan Montz with the Ames Tribune
1: hey Mel I see you kind of zeroed in so far on uh, defensive tackle for the Browns um can you run through some of the candidates you think who could be good value there in the middle of the round, and what you like about each guys, and what maybe you don't like about each of the guys? Yeah, I mean defensive tackle. Yeah, you think about maybe a wide receiver at some point. You another corner. It just the, the way it just works. There's so many defensive tackles that you know it just flowed that way in both projections uh, with a defensive tackle spot with with a guy like uh, Dexter Lawrence. Uh, you know, just a big 340 pounder who I think can get into that back. He showed he can get into the backfield and be. a uh, guy who can be disruptive. Uh, he may run in the 505-51 range at 340 pounds. He's going to be a physical freak at the Combine and obviously uh, impress people there. I think if you get to Christian Wilkins who has great versatility, he's played, seems like forever at Clemson, very solid player. Had Jeffrey Simmons there from Mississippi State, obviously the ACL injury after I did Mach 1, puts him in more of the second round than the first round now. So I think there's going to be some really good defensive tackles available. I mean, you, I don't think that Oliver will be. There, but I think Dexter Lawrence or Christian Wilkins, or maybe both of them. But certainly, certainly, I think one of those two would be there when the Browns pick.
0: Dylan Montz and then Eric Branch with the San Francisco Chronicle. I was actually going to ask about Iowa State, which Mel already answered. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Sure, Eric Branch, and then we'll go to Charlie Potter with two four seven Sports.
1: Uh, Mel, do you view, uh, Bosa as the slam dunk number one? And, and if so, how wide do you think the gap is between, uh, Bosa and Josh Allen? Obviously asking from a 49er
0: perspective.
1: Yeah, Eric, I don't think it's that much of a gap. I think Bosa, the only reason it's not a big gap is because of durability. Nick Bosa had an injury a senior in high school, then the injury this year. Um, So I think that's the only issue there. Josh Allen was more of a one-year standout. He had 17 sacks this year, only had seven last year. So I think you look at it and doubled his tackles for loss numbers. He really came into his own this year. He he was a good player, but he became a great player this year. So I think Josh Allen is going to be very interesting because they could go, I think either way, I'm, I'm thinking more Bosa which would allow Allen to be that edge guy that the 49ers really need. Arizona could also trade out of there, maybe allow somebody to move up to get Dwayne Haskins. Either way, you could the 49ers are either going to be looking at Allen or Bosa, maybe both if the quarterback goes one, but I think Josh Allen fits what they want. Bosa would too, but I think Allen, with having Solomon Thomas and Butner and Armstead, you need an edge pass rusher. Butner really came through with a big year, but Allen would really help that front seven.
0: Charlie Potter, and then Erin Erin McMahon with M Live Media Group.
1: Uh, hey Mel, you have three Alabama players in your latest mock. Just wanted to get your overall evaluation of all three, and especially Josh Jacobs. He have is your top running back. Yeah, Williams uh, just had a as you know phenomenal year. I love the way he destroys double teams. I love his hustle and the way he pursues. Um, I think three to the Jets. Uh, yeah, he could go anywhere in that top group. Um, I think when you look at at Jonah Williams, is he going to be a right tackle? He's not going to be a left tackle, but a right tackle guard center. That's why I, I put him at 18, not in the top 10, because I think he's an interior guy now. Josh Jacobs had that yeah one year where you know it was the finish of the year, midway through and, and finishing the way he did. His his really his attempts, his carries. For his career and his rushing yards for his career are basically like one season for a lot of running backs, which means he's got a lot of tread left on the tires. He hasn't been beaten up. You know, he waited his turn. He's got, I think I did the math of Devin, when you compare Devin Singletary, Florida Atlantic, to Josh Jacobs, it's amazing the carry differential with those two. It was a, it was a, um, I did the math on that. It was a huge differential, a 463 carry differential for a career between Devin Singletary, Florida Atlantic, and, and Josh Jacobs, which means, yeah, you know, he's gonna come in very fresh and, uh, hasn't been taking the punishment of some of these other backs.
0: Aaron McMahon and then Angelique Shandelis with Detroit News.
1: Mel Rashawn Geary, what does he need to do to alleviate concerns about consistency? I think the main thing is just test grade. There's nothing to do with the pads on. Obviously, the scheme and, and getting him in and, and getting him, the, you know, in the right fit and getting him really going after that quarterback. He uh, was the number one player coming out of high school. Nine and a half sacks in 34 games. You know, is a concern because you'd like to see more, you know, domination plays. But uh, yeah, I think when you look at the physical and athletic ability, he's got to test out as the freak we know he can be and just have numbers that are off the charts to maintain that position, which I think he will. So I think, uh, the, you know, he's one of those guys you expect him to be much more productive from a sack standpoint once he's in the NFL than he what he was at Michigan, which is something you don't necessarily always want to have to say. You would rather already have that production from a sack standpoint, but uh, once he's in the NFL, with, if he tests great, any defensive line coach would say, hey, give me that guy. I can make him a guy who will have big sack numbers.
0: Angelique Shangelis, followed by Dave Burkett with the Detroit Free Press. Mel, obviously uh, more Michigan stuff, but uh, I wanted to ask you about Gary. What? Why did he move up in in your in your um big board, and, and also if you could touch on the, the other Michigan kids going to the uh, the combine, that would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Mel. Well,
1: in terms of, of, of Gary, it's just basically uh, what you're hearing at different times, and I think as people get more dialed in uh, to players, specifically underclassmen, then you get more definitive commentary. And yeah, uh, He didn't know if the, in fact he only had nine and a half sacks would hurt a little bit. I don't think it will ultimately. I still think he's going to go very high based on his talent, and he's flashed that kind of ability. Devin Bush is the most interesting guy I, you know, I think because of, he fits today's NFL, because he flies for the football, him in the late first round. I think he, it's not out of question he could go mid first round. Uh, I think when you look at at uh, you know where he goal will ultimately end up, probably be between if I had to project it right now, somewhere you know. If you got to look at twenty to Pittsburgh, down to thirty to Green Bay. So, and of course, so Chase Winovich, uh, second round grade right now. Maybe gets into the third round, but I'd say more second round for him. Had a great year getting after the quarterback. And uh, Karan Higdon is a late is a, is a day three guy, round fifth, sixth round. I think he certainly has a chance. There's a lot of other ones, but I think those are the ones I'll highlight for you right now. We'll
0: go to Dave Burkett and then Jim Wyatt with Titans Online.
1: And Mel, let's keep the, uh, the Michigan Detroit train rolling here. Um two questions about the Lions and the, uh, the, the pick that you gave them, Hawkinson. Yep. First, what, what would you tell Lions fans, you know, who feel burned about twice drafting a first round tight end in the last decade? Like, why will this be different? Not another Eric Ebron situation. And then two, you know, Stafford and the Lions couldn't get the most out of Ebron. We saw what he did in Indy this year. So why would, why would Hawkinson be any different in that regard? Well, I think that's the thing. He will block in line and help that running game. He's a complete tight end. He's not a, a guy you can flex. He's not a, a just a great athlete who will catch the ball and he'll do that because he is a gifted athlete. But he'll also block. He's consistent. Uh, he's a quarterback's best friend. That's what he was at Iowa this year. Um, and he's kind of a throwback, but he has the skills to fit in very well with today's NFL. So I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to skyrocket. I try to want to be a little quick uh, in, in getting him in there before you know because I had him at nineteen. I moved him in there anticipating big workouts, So I think Hawkinson is, for for today, you just can't look at him as a one-dimensional player. He's a multi-dimensional tight end. He can do everything you want. He'd be a a great asset, I think, for Matthew Stafford to have in that offense.
0: Jim Wyatt and then Rob Gray with Cyclone Fanatic.
1: Mel, I wanted to ask you, first off, how many drafts you have attended and then also get your thoughts on Nashville, how it will be as a draft host and maybe what the city should expect. I think it's like 36 now, I think. This will be number 36 with ESPN coming up. And we've been on the road, obviously, it was New York, and then it became Chicago for two years, Philadelphia, Dallas. So looking forward to being down there, and it's a great area. It's a great area to, even, to get to even if you get a you know, chance to take a vacation without having to work it. But um, it should be fun. Uh, I think everybody's looking forward to going to Nashville. Everybody, when we was announced, everybody I know from us, all the friends and everybody, everybody wants to go to Nashville. And uh, looking forward to that, being down there. Uh, it should be great. And I think for having the the Titans, they're picking at 19. There'll be a lot of interest in them, you know, trying to get back to where they want to be. So, yeah, I I think everybody's looking forward to being in Nashville.
0: Rob Gray and then Ray Fittipaldo at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette.
1: Um, I also was uh, on the line to to glean some Iowa State information, so I'll gladly relinquish my time uh, to others to maximize Mel's time.
0: Thank you. We'll go to Ray Fetopaldo, followed by David Pascal with the Chattanooga Times. Mel, I wanted to get your thoughts on the depth of this inside linebacker class overall, and then if the Steelers would miss out on Devin Bush or Devin White, is there anybody anyone else out there who might develop into a three down starter for them um in the second or third rounds?
1: Yeah, I think Devin White will be gone from LSU. I think Devin Bush could be there. And in fact I you know, obviously when you think about projecting, that's where I had him going in Mach one. I moved him down a bit. I gave him the corner, DeAndre Baker, uh, from Georgia. But I think there's a chance a, a pretty good chance that Devin Bush will be there. If he's not, do you reach a little bit for Mac Wilson from Alabama? I thought Mac Wilson back in August would be a guy that would be a solid mid first rounder and following the footsteps of all those other great inside linebackers coming out of Alabama. But he didn't have the year. Of expected, I thought he would go back, he didn't he's in this draft, I think he could be a late one I'm projecting him more as a two uh, and I think if you look at a guy I'd say in that third round there David Long, West Virginia is an interesting guy because he fits today's NFL very well uh, T.J. Edwards, Wisconsin smart, instinctive linebacker uh, You know, will test great in terms of, of 40 speed, but a good solid football player, you can probably get T.J. Edwards Wisconsin in the third or fourth round and, and Davon Coney from Notre Dame, another third round possibility, had a really good year for the Fighting Irish.
0: We'll go to David Pascal, followed by Bob Condota with the Seattle Times.
1: Hey, Mel. Tennessee was the only SEC school not to have any players receive any combine invites. Tennessee went 41 years with at least one player drafted, and if nobody gets drafted this year, it will be the third time in five years. How surprised are you by that? What's the cause, and does Tennessee have any uh, opportunity to have any late round picks this year? Yeah, it's a case you're just building it. I think Jeremy Pruitt, the recruiting class coming in this year is outstanding. Keep in mind, they, you know, there was a player, Preston Williams, who was there at Tennessee and then left to go to Colorado State. And Preston Williams probably will be a second round draft choice. Had a phenomenal year at Colorado State. Uh, so, you know, I think he's the third or fourth best receiver in this draft class. So you kind of, you know, yeah had him and he ended up at Colorado State, but he was at Tennessee for a two year period. But uh, I think it'll change now with these recruits that are coming. And it's all tied to that. The recruits that are coming in. Uh, are going to get back to the Tennessee having a lot of early-round picks. So this year could go another year, but uh, right now nobody early the mid-round dra- that has that type of grade. I'll, I can go a little deeper in terms of guys who could be free agents or late-rounders, but nobody early to mid from Tennessee this year. But I think that will change in the not-too-distant future.
0: Bob Condota and then Jim McBride with the Boston Globe.
1: I just wanted to ask you about the Seahawks. I know you have, have Polite uh, to them in your latest mock draft. Just, just curious, why you think he would be a good fit for the Seahawks, and then who else you think might uh, potentially be a good fit for them there? Well, yeah, he had a great year. He went from being a four sack guy to an eleven sack guy, and uh, that's what they want is the pass rushers. I had uh, Zim O'Shane, Ziminis going there in the first projection. Uh, didn't have a great Senior Bowl week, so I moved him into the early second round. But I think the pass rushers, what Pete's always wanted, polite had, I like, say, a great year at Florida. It was his, he kind of his. A one-year wonder because this is the first year his sack numbers were, were really impressive, but he plays hard. He's got that explosive burst of the quarterback. He's a finisher coming off the edge, and like I said, the Bruce Irvin types, that's kind of what he falls into, that combo guy. Um, now, they could look at a wideout, maybe D.K. Metcalf from Ole Miss if he were there. Uh, obviously, the offensive line, they have to shore up, but I thought the pass rusher is something. Take advantage of the strength of this draft, which is defense.
0: Jim McBride, and then Ryan O'Holloran with the Denver Post. Uh, Mel, I know you
1: have Patriots uh, looking at quarterback. Uh, Do you see any plug-and-play defensive tackles that they could go after in the early rounds? Yeah, I think uh, they, there's a, several. If they got down that far, that could be that type of player. I think you look at, uh, you know, say Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame were there, Draymond Jones, Ohio State, Gerald Willis the third, Miami of Florida are all in that first round discussion. The interesting one's going to be Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State. You get a kid who's got top ten talent. some would even argue top five talent that would be there because he had you know he had the off the field issue and then he had the ACL injury. So if you want to medically redshirt him maybe for a year, you're getting like I said top-five, top-ten talent with the final pick in the first round, and he's a tremendous defensive tackle prospect.
0: Ryan O'Halloran and then Daniel Jones with the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hey, Mel.
1: Uh, Broncos get Joe Flacco. In a trade-down scenario, maybe late first or even early second,
0: where are some quarterbacks that could make sense for them?
1: Well, I think when you get down to that point, Drew Locke, uh, I have him going 15 to Washington. He could be there in the late, first, early, second round. Everybody's not, there's no built-in consensus on where Locke's going to go. He's got the, the big-time arm. He had a, a really good finish of the year with the last seven games, 16 touchdown passes, only two picks. He had that huge game against Florida, 75% completion percentage on the road at Florida. He finally beat that elite team, which he had, had been like an 0-9 against elite teams going into that game. And he threw, he, 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 like I say, he threw three touchdown passes with no picks in that game. And uh, he's got the, the big-league arm, big-time arm talent, and uh, you know, he would be a guy, I think, there at that point. And also, I think Daniel Jones from Duke doesn't have the arm, Locke does, but he had a really good year for David Cutcliffe, uh, finished off with of that bowl game, an impressive bowl game against Temple. You know, average week at Mobile, I he was MVP of the game, so I think Locke, Jones, uh, I think Will Greer, West Virginia, late first, early to mid-second, Ryan Finley, NC State, second round, Jarrett Stidham, Auburn, could be in that that third-round mix, but I think In terms of the first round, it would be Locke or Jones, if you're talking mid to late first.
0: Daniel Jones, and then Mark Gaughan with the Buffalo News.
1: Mel, what did you see out of Drew Locke at the Senior Bowl that uh, kind of propelled him into the first round for you? Well, it's what you the, the mock drafts aren't what I see. It's what the NFL sees. It's a big difference. It's not me putting who I would take. It's it's what you're hearing from the people you speak to in the NFL. Your sources there. So that's what you go by with mock drafts. And you, you hear some positive commentary. And, and uh, I always and in fact, two years ago during the season, I got a call from a GM in the NFL saying, "Hey, you know the guy's got the best arm in college football, and it's a Drew Locke and you know, or one of the best arms, a guy that really impressed him and of course Josh Allen was still playing at Wyoming when the the call game in about Drew Locke. So uh Drew Locke when you have that kind of rare arm talent uh, to get to the second round. and I, Like you say, you've talked about Denver with John Elway. John, John Elway's going to love seeing that rocket arm. And uh, Joe Flacco's going to be in the mid-30s. He's had the injuries. So uh, you could go out and get a Drew Locke But I would say trade down from 10 maybe. I have not won 15 to Washington. Some think he's a second-round pick, not a first-round pick. I didn't, there was no built-in consensus on Drew Locke as I said earlier. So, uh, But that arm talent, the size, the arm talent, and the fact he's experienced. He's coming out with a ton of experience. Four-year starter. That's rare to see a guy play as much football. And he didn't have Emmanuel Hall as top target for most of the year, and look what he did. He put up great numbers.
0: Mark Gaughan and then Matt Charbonneau with the Detroit News.
1: Yes, Mel, do you see DK Metcalf as a little risky for high in the draft? Uh, You know, do you worry about his upper body bulk, uh, too bulky? And then what round do you have Tyree Jackson going? Well, I think when you look at at, at two bulky, I, yeah, at six three and a half, you know, 235, half, two thirty five, two forty. We'll see what he comes in at. He's an underclassman. We were just estimating that. Uh, obviously, a chiseled frame. Obviously, great bloodlines. His father, Terrence, third round pick, offensive guard out of Ole Miss. His, his grandfather, Terry Metcalf, great on uh, great the running back. His uncle, Eric. You know what he did in the NFL. So he's had two years of injury. He's only had, uh, talking about Metcalf. Two years of injury. Uh, he had the foot in two thousand and sixteen, and neck this year. Sixty seven career receptions uh, you know not that many not a, not a huge number there but he's got tremendous talent. He flashes that big-time ability. And, you know, I think in a wide receiver group that's not that strong, now Marquise Brown with the injury, that uh, you could see a little bit of a reach there for him, who who has tremendously talked th- about that- the word upside. He's got as much upside as anybody. That's why I thought maybe at nine he would make sense. Tyree Jackson competes. I-, I thought he had he had some inconsistencies this year. Uh, but I thought he would go back and have another season. But Nancy Johnson moving on and as well as Osborne uh, transferring. Uh, yeah, you can see that. He's a developmental quarterback. Quarterback, I could see him in the fourth
0: or fifth round. Matt Charbonneau, followed by Kyle Meineke with MLive.com. Uh,
1: Mel, uh, Michigan State guys here. I was curious your thoughts on Justin Lane, first of all, and then a couple other guys. Felton Davis, have, you think the injury has will affect him how it will? And, and there maybe some thoughts on L.J. Scott as well. Yeah, I think the main one, and you hit it, is, is – uh is the corner. And I think when you look at at Justin Lane with his length and the way he played, uh, you know, he had some really good games where he was, he did look like a shutdown corner. I have him right now as the uh, ninth highest rated corner. He's got the same grade as the seventh. So that puts him in, I think right now, in the second round mix, second round discussion. If he has a big work, and I always made points when I was watching them, he was one of their best defensive players, if not their most impressive defensive player, and one of the better corners in the Big Ten. So I would say Lane, with his size, and his ability, um, you know, could be and should be by far the first one. Uh, Brad Key's going back, I think, is a good move there. Uh, the other guys, more late round possibilities. But I think Lane, like I say, he has right now a second at worst, a third round grade.
0: Kyle Meinicky and then Matt Wenzel with M Live.
1: Hey Mel, thanks for your time as always. Blinds sure. um, are in the market for a blinds uh, in the market for
0: a power you know, complement there to carry on Johnson. I'm just curious, their options there particularly on day two or day three.
1: Well, I think when you look at, at uh, you know, somebody that is a, a powerful Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma coming back from the injury, uh, Elijah Holyfield from Georgia, Benny Snell Jr. from Kentucky, um, those would be some guys, that, uh, and Damian Harris, Alabama in the second round, but I think when you get into the third, fourth, fifth round, the middle round areas, uh, Rodney Anderson, Oklahoma would be a guy you know, coming off the injury, uh, was having a, a really nice year until he got hurt, I think he would be a guy that you could roll the dice with, it. if he can stay healthy, he could be a really, really a nice pick at some point but all
0: the draft. Matt Wenzel and then Gabe DeArmond with Rivals.com.
1: You, you mentioned uh, Justin Lane. Could you kind of touch on uh, the other Michigan State guys, Kari Willis, Elton Davis, and uh, L.J. Scott with their uh, potentialism? What you view them like yeah, they're more, they are on wall for me day three possibilities. I think mean, Willis uh, you know, maybe in that fifth round area, sixth depending upon how he works out. Scott, it's a kind of a crowded running back group. This is, a, I think, a, a pretty strong running back group overall. Only one first rounder, but uh, I think there's five potential second round running backs, five potential third round running backs. So, And again, and a lot of these running backs will drop a little further than they should because a lot of teams don't need running backs. So those third rounders, if you say three of them drop to the fourth or fifth, and it puts everybody down a round or two. So I say day three for davis scott and willis as i said earlier sometimes and it depends on their workouts to see how you distinguish between a fourth and a seventh rounder will come after the numbers are in from the combine
0: gabe de and then jj stankovitz with nbc sports chicago
1: yeah mel you mentioned uh emmanuel hall at missouri curious uh where you see him and maybe terry beckner jr from mizzou in the yeah, yeah, they're you know, interesting guys. Like I was said Hall with the, the injury. That's what affect us. i surprised Locke played as well as he did when he didn't have you know his main guy and he had a source other options in that uh, Albert O and they had a host of other receivers that could get the job done and they ran the ball and had some guys could get it done there. So it was a, an offense had a lot of weapons, but Hall's loss. And, you know with his size, you know, he's got good length. Uh, he'll have some concentration drops at times, but uh, he's got the ability to get down the field. He had that incredible average per catch during his career. Uh, last year, two years got 24.8 average. He was a guy that can beat you deep. And, uh, yeah, I think he could be a guy that, that gets into that, you know, I'd say early day three a type of situation there. Beckner, I most of the year I had him in the top 10 for defensive tackles. Uh, you know, it's been a very Once The juniors came into that mix. It, it kind of pushed him down just a bit. But he gets into the backfield. He, I, I think he, the way he can be disruptive, uh, he's got the same grade as some third round guys. So I'd say late day two, early day three for Beckner.
0: JJ Stankovic and then Dan Cater with SB Nation.
1: Mel, you've talked a lot about the, the depth of running backs and on day two or day three. Who among those guys do you think sits best within the Bears' offense? Well, I think Miles Sanders from Penn State is is going to be. I just want to see where he ends up. I was really impressed with the way he played in, in some games and other games. You know, he didn't get a lot of help from the line, and uh, yeah, that was a factor for him. Uh, but uh, you know, to me, you know, he's a talented football player. Uh, you know, he came in highly regarded. He's got he's got ability to make people miss in the hole. He runs with good body lean. Uh, Miles Sanders, I think, would be a guy. and I always bring up Benny Snell. Benny Snell is a guy who just you know keeps the chains moving. He was tremendously productive. Doesn't have you know, game-breaking speed, but I think Miles Sanders, Benny Snell uh, would be guys, and uh, obviously it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Bryce Love. Bryce Love doesn't catch the ball out of the backfield when he has it on a consistent basis at Stanford. They didn't use him that way. Then he got the injury this year, but he's a guy, two years ago looked like he was going to be maybe a first-round possibility. How far does he drop? This? Does he get into the third round? If he does, I think Bryce Love uh, would be somebody who would be hard to pass up at that point.
0: Dan Cater and then Robert Cessna with the Bryan College Station Eagle.
1: Hey Mel, if Kyler Murray measures out at five
0: foot ten and his hand size
1: isn't an issue,
0: do you think he could jump ahead of Dwayne Haskins? Do you think he'd get into the top five and be definitively a quarterback for you?
1: Oh, definitely. He's a quarterback, no doubt about it. His arm strength, his, his accuracy, uh, his football IQ, uh, today's NFL suits him perfectly. Yeah, he's a quarterback all the way. Now, is he f- the fourth, uh, pick in the draft to Oakland? Uh, is he a guy that goes 11 to Cincinnati, 13 to Miami? Does he, in fact, go ahead of Dwayne Haskins? He could. He's kind of a wild card. The, to compare him to Dwayne Haskins isn't fair because they're, they're totally different quarterbacks. Uh, their style of play would be, uh, would change the way you go about your business on offense if you bring him in. And, uh, you know, Haskins is a traditional drop-back pocket passer where Kyler can do everything. He can throw from the pocket, uh, but you want him outside the pocket. Uh, there's a stat that Todd and I have talked about. this six-foot and under quarterbacks have fewer passes batted down than six-foot or taller quarterbacks. So the height's not a big deal. It's throwing through windows, and and uh, he's smart. You saw what he did against Alabama after that team fell behind early. He didn't even have Marquise Brown healthy for that game, yet he lit up Alabama that defense with Nick Saban's defensive action. So, um, Kyler, yeah, I think right now it's a two-horse race to say which one will be the first quarterback taken right now. I would lean to Haskins, but it, it's not a lock that Haskins will be the first quarterback taken. But I would lean Haskins way right now. I have him going six to the Giants. Maybe the Giants have to trade up to get him. And I have Murray right now at 13 to Miami. Thought about him to Cincinnati at 11. And I like I said, it's going to be interesting what John Gruden does at 4, uh, whether he moves forward with Derek Carr or he decides that, hey, uh, I can get a little bit of an upgrade here possibly with a guy that can exchange points with Patrick Mahomes and take uh, take Kyler Murray. I think he's going to to. be the interesting pick at number four.
0: Everyone, just to let you know, we've got about a half hour left, so thanks for your patience. A lot of people on this call, and we're moving through as best we can, so thanks for your patience. Robert Cessna is up, and then Alex Halstead is on deck.
1: Your thoughts on where where four Texas A&M football players might be selected? Running back Trayvon Williams, tight end Jay Sternberger, center Eric McCoy, and linebacker Terrell, How many would have benefited by returning for their senior year? Yeah, I think when you look at McCoy, and he's the most interesting guy. A center guard prospect who, you know, I think, you know, had as good a year as any of the interior linemen did. Uh, I'd say second round for McCoy, maybe third, but I'd say more second. Uh, Jay Sternberger, it's a very crowded tight end situation. Uh, you yeah, there were some inconsistencies there, but he caught a lot of balls. You uh, say kind of one dimensional, more of, I think, a day three pick. Uh, Travion Williams was in the top 10 running back group on my big board. You saw that during the course of the year. He's just at, right now at 12. I think he's like a fourth round type of pick, So, uh, yeah, but I do think McCoy, if you've got to say right now of all the A&M players, I think McCoy would be the guy, uh, and, and Durham as well. Landis Durham as a, a guy, as a pass rusher, could be a nice day three pick for somebody.
0: Alex Halstead, and then Alex Schiffer with the KC Star. Hey, now I wanted to ask a, a
1: follow-up on David Montgomery who you, you talked about earlier. What, what kind of running back does he project as in the NFL? What kind of offense would like him? And then a second question is, as you've evaluated Iowa State games with him and Butler and, and P V, have you seen an increase of talent on that roster and, and
0: for you know, draft practice to come?
1: Yeah, I mean, Matt Campbell is just a great football coach, and he did have some individual talent. You saw with Purdy coming in, having a guy like Butler. Uh, I thought the defense had playmakers. As I said, Brian Peavy very underrated. Um, and and certainly Montgomery is a big-time running back. I mean, this is a kid, you, he's got a lot of carries. He's a durable kid. He's, he, he's a guy that gets better as the game goes along. Uh, he gets the tough yards, and he's earned a lot of his yardage. You know, it had not been easy. Let's face it, you key on him, uh, you, that's what deems went into every game, on you know, David Montgomery so uh, to me and he can catch the ball out of the backfield adequately uh, yeah I think he's a, maybe a two at worst a three uh, but you gotta like the way you gotta love his running style the way he just you know, he attacks he breaks he's got really good balance in the hole uh, he, you know, he, he always seems to move forward for positive yardage um, yeah I think Montgomery second or third round.
0: Alex Schiffer and then John Kine with ESPN Washington.
1: Hey, Mel, I just want to ask you who are some interior linemen both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball that the Chiefs could be looking at, you know, day two, maybe early day three. Yeah, interior offensive linemen, I think there would be guys like Connor McGovern from Penn State, center guard, uh, would be a nice player there. I think uh, Drew Samia from Oklahoma as a, as a guard, uh, and Nate Davis from Charlotte, guard prospect there, Um, Garrett Bradbury, the center from NC State, Michael Jordan, guard uh, guard center from Ohio State, Uh, would be interesting guys there. Um, On the defensive side of the ball, um, probably say uh, Colin Saunders from Western Illinois. I highlighted him on ESPN.com during the year. Nice player, had a good senior bowl week. I think Saunders would be a guy, if you get into the third or fourth round, uh, would be somebody that I think would draw some interest at that
0: point. John Kime, followed by Brooke Pryor with the KC star. Hey, Mel, with, with Drew Locke, your projection of Drew
1: Locke to the Redskins, is there something about him that makes him a good fit for what they do? And if they didn't get him there, what quarterbacks later in the draft might be attractive to them? Well, I think you know, Locke to me, you know, would interesting with his arm strength, and, and you know, for Jay Gruden uh, and Washington, knowing with Alex Smith coming off the injury, uh, yeah, I think that would be an interesting guy. If he gets past there, if he gets past 15, then there's a, you get into kind of never neverland because most of the teams after that, if you look, don't need a quarterback until you get to New England. That would have to be a trade back into the first round for somebody there, which will happen. We always see that between 25 and 32. And Clayton Thorson, Northwestern's interesting because he came back from the injury sustained in the bowl game, yeah. You know, was when they, they say the pitch count, uh, but he played. He played through that injury. People say he struggled. He wasn't that impressed. He was playing hurt. He, he was out there gutting it out. And uh, Clayton Thorson from Northwestern is a day three possibility. Uh, would be a guy I would kind of highlight just because I know he was not where he needed to be physically, yet he was out there playing, and he led that team to an awful lot of wins. And, uh, and he can bring you back from behind. He, that, that team with Pat Fitzgerald Battles, I would say Clayton Thorson in the late rounds from Northwestern.
0: Brooke Pryor, and then Zach Rosenblatt with NewJersey.com. Hey, Matt, you've got Jonathan Abram going to the Chiefs in the first round. What makes him a good fit over all the other needs that they have that, that he's the one that they should target at safety there?
1: Really good player. I mean, he, he blitzes extremely well. He tackles exceptionally well. He's got really good range. If you saw the Arkansas game, he looked like a top ten pick. He's all over the field. Uh, underrated, I think, in coverage. Yeah, he went to Georgia, started out his career at Georgia, then the JUCO ranks, then to Mississippi State. Uh, he's, he's ready to go. I mean, he's a guy NFL ready all the way around. Um, you know, he can play in the box. He can like, play in space and range. He tackles great in space. Uh, tremendously uh, times that blitz out. Really good blitzer. Uh, yeah, I think, to me, Abrams is one of the best 15 to 20 pure football players in this draft. If you say, who are the best pure football players, he would be right up near the, the like I say the top 15, top 20 easily.
0: Zach Rosenblatt and then Scott Petrack with the Chronicle Telegram.
1: Hey, Mel. The, I know you had the Eagles picking a cornerback. They I know
0: they've drafted, I think, three in the last two years with uh, Zul Douglas. Um And, and, and Avante Maddox and Simi Jones. And I, I guess I was just wondering why you think the Eagles would go in that direction
1: again in the first round. And, uh, and what, what in particular you like about Mullen? Well, you never have enough cover guys. That's the thing. That's why you keep taking, you take corners. Corners are in this league. You need four or five of them, uh, to survive in this league. It's a corner driven league now. Um, you know, and Trayvon Mullen has that, that ball-to-ball skills. You saw him against Alabama. Uh, he'll tackle. He's, he has a little physicality to his game. Teams, I think, when I watch him, they avoided his side of the field for the most part this year after what he did two years ago. So, uh, yeah, that's why his numbers weren't as – in terms of pass breakups and the like aren't what the other guys are. But, uh, you know, when you get down to pick 25, also thought about giving him uh, to India 26. There's a lot of teams in the late first round could be looking at Trayvon Mullen. Now, the Eagles have other needs, but uh, you know, when you get down there, the, the cornerback spot could present a little bit of value uh, when you get into that uh, that spot at 25. Wide receiver wise, A.J. Brown from Ole Miss could still be there. Uh, he's certainly a guy that's a slot receiver, has interest. And Preston Williams from uh, from Colorado State is the, one of the more underrated players in this draft who had a as good a year at Colorado State as any receiver in the country could have, you know, have coming over from Tennessee had to sit out the previous year with a transfer. So I think Preston Williams from Colorado State would be that uh, kind of a sleeper first round type possibility.
0: Scott Petrack, and then Jerry McDonald with the San Jose Mercury News.
1: In relation to the Browns picking in the middle of the first round, how would you sort through whether it's D-tackle, D-end, linebacker, cornerback, especially to, you know when you mention that a lot of D-tackles could go high? Yeah, it's just really it's a cornerback spot opposite Ward, another defensive end. They could have had Shubb, but they drafted Ward. So, you know, now you could be looking, you know, at a defensive end. If you say, okay, who would be the best possibility at that point? That's what you have to look at, who presents the best value. Defensive end-wise, a Cleland Farrell from Clemson maybe would still be there. I don't think Montez Sweat from Mississippi State will be, based on the Senior Bowl. Jalen Ferguson, Louisiana Tech, I think will be there. The defensive tackle I had going there. I don't see a linebacker being a positive unless you look at Devin Bush. Um, and then wide receiver uh, is an area where you could go. Uh, like I say, a Metcalf, uh, like I said, I've always said Preston Williams from Colorado State, is a guy that in this wide receiver group could slip into the late first round. So it just fell defensive tackle, and it, it just worked out that it was Dexter Lawrence from Clemson in this mock draft.
0: Jerry McDonald, and then Adam Jude with the Seattle Times.
1: Okay, Mel, with uh, Mike Mayock joining the Raiders, I'm just curious whether the move from a guy that analyzes the draft to someone who works for a team and does personnel analysis, is that a, a, anything you ever considered – and two, do you expect the Raiders to, to stay with their first three draft picks as they are, do you think they'll make a move and, and add players? Yeah, I had that opportunity back in 1983 uh, to go to work uh, for the Baltimore Colts. That uh, was when the, you know, Ernie Acorsi was going to bring me in, and then it didn't work out with obviously Ernie's situation with the John Elway trade, the team moving, so I stayed doing what I was doing, and then five months later got the call to go to work at ESPN, so it worked out pretty well from that standpoint, but in 83, that was the Colts' opportunity. There's been other possibilities out there along the way that just you were know, earned something that I was looking going to look into because I was very happy doing what I was doing and, and the situation at ESPN. So I'm not going to give up all that to go to work in the National Football League at that time. I would have in 1983. I just started the books in 1979, well, 80, 81. So that was in its infancy, and then I had not even started ESPN yet, and would have never been at ESPN had I accepted. Had I, I accepted, it. I had Ernie brought me in, and not obviously went a different direction because obviously he knew that he was going to be moving on, and the team was going to be moving, and they had traded Elway. So thankfully for Ernie, of course, that my best at heart, that didn't go with the Baltimore Colts in 1983. But in terms of what Mike's doing out there, it's John and Mike working together. They have the three first-round picks. They have a chance next year that they have an opportunity to fill a lot of holes. They have decisions to make. The Antonio Brown situation in Pittsburgh, needing a receiver. They have the draft picks. Do they try to make a move there? Uh, do they take Kyler Murray? Do they move Derek Carr? Do they stick with Derek Carr? Uh, you know, John has always raved about quarterbacks like Mahomes and Russell Wilson and and the like. So, you know, what's his opinion of Kyler Murray and contract him and comparing him to Derek Carr. So I think it's going to be, you talk about a fascinating player, it's Kyler Murray, and probably the most fascinating team in this draft, for obvious reasons, is the Oakland Raiders.
0: Adam Jude, and then Eric Williams with ESPN LA.
1: Yeah, Mel, you have uh, nine guys, or there are nine guys from the University of uh, Washington heading to the combine. You have Byron Murphy going in the first round. Curious what you see as his upside, and also wondering about your evaluation of a uh, running back Miles Gaskin yeah I mean I love Murphy Murphy to me he could go higher than that I mean I have him right now at 24 to Oakland John likes playmakers and he is a true playmaker he played a lot of wide receiver in high school was a great wide receiver great basketball player you saw the playmaking ability this year He had the injury uh two years ago and he you know, came back after he got healthy and he did you know I think he missed seven games that year with a foot but Byron Murphy is a big time corner and uh they need that. Uh, I think he could go higher. I could see him going top 15 to 20 very easily. Uh, I think when you look at Miles Gaskin, another running back that's a solid day three pick with the kind of ability he has running the football. I think about two years ago he averaged over six yards a carry. Um, you know He's shown you know, when he's been given an opportunity he can't catch the ball out of the backfield. But I think he's a good day three pick. I think a true sample will be a good day three pick to tight end. Ben Burkirvan, great college linebacker. You know, all over the field making tackles. Uh, certainly, uh, he fits into that day three category. Great games, the defensive tackle. Jordan Miller, the corner. Taylor Rapp, I have a second round grade one right now, the safety. So there's a host of, of Washington Husky players who are going to get drafted. And, uh, I, I didn't even talk about Caleb McGarry, uh, who will be, I think, a really good right tackle prospect in the third round. So it's a, it's a good group of players, uh, you know, coming out of Washington this year.
0: Eric Williams and then Kyle Fredrickson with the Denver Post. Hey, Mel. The Chargers Uh
1: haven't drafted a quarterback since 2013, but Phillip Rivers obviously isn't getting any younger. What are your thoughts on this year's draft class and potentially quarterbacks that could fit the, the Chargers and what they do? Yeah, I thought about giving him Daniel Jones uh, from Duke. Um, you know, I moved him down to New England, gave them the defensive tackle, Tillery, and had to actually Jeffrey Simmons there and then kind of moved him out. When I talked to some NFL people said, ah, I don't know about the first, you know, considering the ACL and not maybe being able to play the entire – and he, you going know, miss most of his rookie year, you would think. So, uh, but as far as quarterbacks go, if you're going to plug a quarterback in there, uh, it would be Daniel Jones. He's got that size that Rivers has. Uh, he, can, he can make all the throws. He doesn't have the great arm, but he can make the throws. Uh, At times in the pocket, he doesn't sense things as well as you would want, but he's got some escapability. He ran for 186 yards against North Carolina. He was a really good basketball player in high school. Comes from a very athletic family, Daniel Jones does. And six quarterbacks a day that Cutcliffe uh, worked with were in the NFL, and the two most notable would be Peyton and Eli Manning. So great system, great coaching from Cutcliffe. He was MVP of the Senior Bowl game. You go back to the Temple Bowl game, he lit it up. So, yeah, I think Daniel Jones, if you were able to project it into the Chargers, would certainly be something that nobody could argue with.
0: Kyle Fredrickson, and then Scott Kiepfer with the Greenville News.
1: Hey, Mel. University of uh, Colorado safety Evan Worthington was a guy who gained quite a bit of draft buzz as a junior but struggled through some injuries last season as a senior. Where does Worthington rank on your overall safety prospects, and, and when do you envision him coming off the board? You know, I look at, at Worthington right now, more of a day, day three possibility, and obviously the workouts for all these kids are going to be so important to see where they're going to end up and where they're going to run. Like you know, I said, he has he's kind of fluctuated in terms of his grade during his career. Uh, like I said, you go back to what a couple of years ago, he had uh, you know, a ton of tackles, he was making plays all over the field, and that was a draft that produced, a year that produced uh, players in that secondary as well uh, that have moved on and done a good job, uh, Isaiah Oliver and the others. So to me, right now, wait and see on him until we get all the numbers in, and we see over the next two months, whether he can gain some more momentum and get into that uh, yeah, that third, fourth round possibility.
0: Scott Kiefer followed by Tom Green with AL.com.
1: Hey, Mel. A couple of uh, Clemson guys. I'm uh, just, uh, just wondering what you like or don't, what like, or don't like about uh, Cleveland Furl, and also uh, the guy who looks more like your biology lab partner than an NFL player, but uh, cult hero uh, Hunter Renfro. What about his draft ability? Yeah, I think for Farrell first. I mean, you look at people and say, well, you know, he's got a lot of help from the other guys up front, and that's true. That was a good, that was a great group of defensive line. They went back to win a national title, and they they achieved that goal. But his production uh, over the the course of the last few years has been, from a tackle tackle for loss standpoint, outstanding. Now, even in the Alabama game, he went unblocked when he got the big sack. It wasn't Jonah Williams that he beat; he went unblocked. But the kid's got length. He's got the productivity. I think he handles the. His, you know, he, he can he can certainly secure the edge against the run. Uh, He's in the he's probably twelve, fifteen to twenty in that range. I've won mean, sixteen to Carolina. They need an edge guy. And Hunter Renfro is a you know, third down specialist. Obviously, uh, the way he gets separation, you see a little Welker Amendola in him at times. And keep in mind, Welker and Amendola didn't get drafted coming out of out of college. Uh, both coming out of uh, Texas Tech. So Hunter Renfro, uh, you look at what Adam Humphries carved a niche in Tampa after coming out of Clemson. There's a there's going to be a spot on a roster for Hunter Renfro. It wouldn't surprise me if he became like I say, that Tom combo, Humphreys, Welker, Amendola type in the NFL.
0: Tom Green, and then Tom Bassinger with the Tampa Bay Times.
1: Hey, Mel. I uh, wanted to ask you about a couple of Auburn guys. First off, I know you kind of touched on Jared Stidham being kind of a third-round guy, but what, what have you seen from him? How much did he help himself in Mobile, and what does he have to prove at the Combine? And then uh, cornerback Jamel Dean, just your thoughts on him after declaring early. Yeah, I mean Stidham's interesting. You go back a couple years ago, you know he's, he's putting up the big numbers, and you thought it would carry over. Things didn't come together this year uh, after you know being Washington in that opener. Um, but he's got the arm talent, and from the pocket, he can move well enough. Uh, you know, I, I thought he impressed. And I know Lewis Riddick even pointed out yesterday when we were talking about that Stidham kind of got his attention on the field at the Senior Bowl practices, and more than any quarterback down there, that it was Stidham who got Lewis's uh, like uh, to really say, "Hey, move him up and and get." him into that discussion as a quarterback that's a little underrated. So yeah, I think Stidham you you, do, Baylor, then Auburn. I mean, he showed that he could, at one point, I thought he could be a first or second round pick. So he's got talent. Like I said, I don't think he gets out of the third round. It wouldn't shock him if he went mid to late second. So uh, he's going to be up there. And in terms of Dean with the size, I just wonder in terms of guys would change the direction down the field, uh, if he's fluid enough to hold up. If not, maybe a move inside. But I think he's going to test out very well. He's got the size. Uh, He can handle the physicality of receivers down the field, he showed that at Auburn, Uh, you know, he could be a guy after workouts and moves up a little bit. I think workouts with him could be something that uh, elevates his draft rating.
0: Tom Bassinger, followed by Andrew Doherty with Hero Sports.
1: Hi, Mel. Um, About a month ago, Wickersham uh, posted uh, uh, what looked like an internal document from the uh, Cleveland Browns called uh, Browns Guardrails. Uh, it listed principles on, on talent acquisition, the salary cap communication, uh, and, and some other things. One of the things that stood out to me was a ranking of key positions heading into the, uh, the, the draft, which, which were, uh, quarterback, cornerback, pass rushers, and then offensive tackle. And of course, um, you know, your, your secondary and your, your defensive line, those things go hand in hand. But I'm, what I'm wondering is, do you think we could be at, at a point where the most de- uh, important defenders on the field are uh, are cornerbacks? And and related to that, so you know, I, I see you have the
0: uh, Montez Sweck going to the the Bucks at at number right. five. Mm-hmm. How much could cornerback be in play?
1: Well, it could. Uh, there's no question. It could be in play. I think for, that's something where you say, why is they, what do they rank them that way? Quarterback and the offensive tackle protecting, and then the the coverage ability, and then the, the pressure. So the pressure and coverage. We say pass rush league, cover leg on the back end, and obviously your quarterback and your offensive tackle giving him the proper protection. Uh, so, yeah, I, that all makes sense for today's NFL, the way that you rank the positions. There's no doubt about that. Montez Sweat is a pass rusher. He showed that early on. In fact, after, when we got into early October, I had Sweat as like the eighth best player on the big board. Then he kind of got a little quiet, didn't have the sack numbers. Then he came through with a couple sacks late in the season. Then he had the really good senior bowl week. He's got the length. He's got the explosiveness. So that's why I moved him up to that spot. It was a little high for a corner. Greedy Williams, as I said, when you talk to people now, are thinking more 10 to 15. DeAndre Baker, more 10 to 20. So uh, I put the pass rusher up there ahead of the corner.
0: Andrew Doherty, followed by Matt Steipolkowski with New Jersey Advanced Media. Hey, Mel. you touched on uh, Josh Allen and Nick Bosa earlier. You said that gap wasn't that big between those two guys, in your opinion. Can you just elaborate on if Allen uh, closes that gap and either catches right up to Bosa as the top prospect in the draft or even just gets really darn close to it? Well, I think Bosa's
1: the guy. I mean, I, when I say it, the only thing with Bosa is the durability. If it wasn't for the injury a senior year in high school and the injury this year, yeah, it wouldn't be any, any, anybody anywhere close to him. And then Allen had the unbelievable year. I mean, his numbers went up from you know, what they were, which wasn't bad. I mean, he had, you know, it wasn't like he wasn't productive. He was a solid player, but he became a great player uh, this past year. So, I uh, mean, his numbers improved dramatically. Seven sacks to 17, tackles for loss doubled. And uh, all of a sudden, then this year, he became a kind of a one-man wrecking crew, and he had some help on that defense. Alani you know, Johnson, the corner, Edwards, the safety, uh, Beatty, they had some really good players on that defense uh, beyond just Josh Allen. But he was the kind of the cornerstone. He was the centerpiece of it all. Uh, with his length and his size, and his speed, and the kind of kid he is, yeah, he's gonna—he's right there. I mean, but I still think it boasts of the edge. But, you know, there's no question if you're looking for an edge rusher in the 49ers or the Jets, Josh Allen, if people say trade out of there, if you trade out of there, you're taking yourself out of the Josh Allen situation. I don't think i don't think the 49ers or Jets would want to do that. So, yeah, you know, I know the Jets would like to pick up other draft picks and this and that, but you move out of three, you don't get Josh Allen if he's there. And I'm not convinced he'll be there at three. I think the 49ers could take him at two.
0: Matt Stipolkoski, followed by Jason Galloway with the Wisconsin State Journal.
1: Hi, Mel. Uh, To piggyback off the Jets there, I know you have had uh, Quinn Williams from Alabama going to the Jets at number three, uh, but obviously the Jets have a bunch of holes they need to fill. I'm curious why Williams at at defensive tackle has kind of been the the pick for you so far and, and who some other options you think could be at number three for them. Well, Allen would be the one if he were there, because we want an edge a guy. Uh, there's no receiving entity. It's a little high for Hawkinson. I would say a little high. I mean, I've been going right after that. But, um, you know, and then, like you say, the offensive linemen, there aren't anybody. There's nobody up there that high to even consider. So, you go to the best player on the board at that point, and it's Quentin Williams by, by far. I mean, he's there's three players. I think there's in this draft, if you really look at it, because the linebacking situation, you say, well, the, it's phased out, but you certainly have to have a, a guy like Devin White, who's kind of a Dion Jones type. But if you really look at the three super elite would be Josh Allen, Quinn Williams, and Nick Bosa. Then you get into Devin White, Rashawn Gary. I'm about defensive players. Uh, but I think you know Quinn Williams for the year he had. He's the closest thing to Aaron Donald that you saw this year in college. He was in that backfield. He was destroying double teams. He was pursuing to the sidelines. He's a hard working kid. Hustles. Um, He put together an unbelievable year for Alabama, so you know, and interior pressure bothers the quarterback more than anything. So, for me, if you're the Jets, yeah, you could. If if Williams is there, and you say, ah, you know, we could still get a really good defensive tackle down the line, I could see that. But if Allen were there, I don't think they would move down. But Allen, I guess, I have one too. So I get the point about Williams. uh, That if they do get an offer say from the Giants to go from three down to six and pick up some extra choices. That would be enticing, but then obviously you'd lose Quentin and Williams. And they're okay with that, fine, but that's going to be interesting to see if the Giants or somebody is forced to go up there to get Haskins, which would make the Jets, who are maybe looking for extra picks, at least have something to think about.
0: Jason Galloway and then Susan Miller-Degnan with the Miami Herald.
1: I know... Uh... Wisconsin's got three good offensive linemen in this draft, and Michael Gidur, David Edwards, and, and Bo Benshaw. What do you like about those three guys? Where do you think you could you could see them going? And, and in the case of Edwards, do you think his injury last year could, could affect his stock at all? Yeah, I was surprised he came out. I thought he would go back for another year. He didn't. Obviously, uh, you know, you look at where he is when he's physically, you know, and 100. You say, okay, he looked like a potential first, second round pick, and he still, I think he could go second round, uh, you know, very easily. I think when you look at the guys, you know, Dieter with the versatility—that's uh, the main thing. Ben Shaw, solid, pure guard, has some versatility as well. I think they're in that second, third round discussion. Uh, I think all those kids are going to go high. Wisconsin offensive line history speaks for itself, so they're all going to go. You so, you know, up there pretty good. And if I had to say right now the one that's the most intriguing, uh, that's hardly any separate. I think Ben Shaw, like I say, you look at the versatility of Dieter, and then you look at, at what, uh, when he's at full strength, what Edwards can do. You know, good luck trying to separate. If I had to say who right now looks looking at the board right now, the highest rated of those three right now for me is is just slightly Ben Shaw, slightly over Dieter.
0: Susan Miller-Degman, followed by Clifton Brown with BaltimoreRavens.com.
1: Hey, Mel. uh, Six Miami Hurricanes were invited to the combine. Defensive tackle Willis, defensive end Jackson, cornerback Jackson, safety Johnson, safety Redwine, and running Travis Homer. Which of those do you believe will be drafted, and could you assess them and where you believe they might be taken in the draft? Most of those kids are going to get drafted. I think right now, if you look at where my rings are, Willis had the huge year. Willis, you know, is in that late first, second round discussion. Jackson coming off the edge, I think, is more of a second round pick. I'm talking about Joe Jackson, uh, Michael Jackson, in the corner, more of a day three pick. Jaquan Johnson, as a guy who has been a big play guy throughout his career, uh, look what he's done in terms of tackles, can make him plays in the secondary. showed up in, in some key games, so I think he's an early day three type of pick. Red Wine as well, uh, day three. Uh, Homer is my 13th highest rated running back that would put him in the 4th, 5th round, 6th round category uh, but running backs as I said always drop a round or two lower than they're rated uh, but I think of that group Willis and Jackson and then Jaquan Johnson would be your top 3
0: Clifton Brown and then Rick Stroud with the Tampa Bay Times
1: Yeah Mel uh, you've got uh, you know the Ravens going with the running back uh, at their first position uh, if they don't go that way or if he's gone can you Think of, or tell me a couple other guys you think might be in play for them in the first round for the Ravens. Sure, wide receiver. If you look at, uh, you know, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, both out of Old Miss. Marquise Brown, if he were there out of Oklahoma because of the injury, would be very interesting. Uh, you know, those would be some guys from a wide receiver standpoint, um, that you'd have to really consider. Uh, yeah, they hope Elliott comes through with safety. They drafted him last year, uh, you know, out of Texas. Um, you know they have some other areas they could hit, uh, but the big thing is I think come out of this draft with a guy who can be an immediate help to Lamar Jackson. That would be Josh Jacobs. The way he can run, catch, and block, uh, he would be a, a you know, huge difference maker in that offense. Uh, you know Edwards had a good year, no doubt about it, but uh, this would be a major upgrade for kids—a a complete running back. And I've never been an advocate of taking a running back in the first round, but uh, at 22, uh, and they love Alabama players, as you know, uh, and this is a complete football player who has a lot of. Tread left. Remember, yeah, he, had, he didn't have many carries. He, he only basically had. If you add up his carries, there, there are, you know, they were one season for most backs. Uh, so, you know, he's ready to go, and he's got a lot of football left, and I think his best football's ahead.
0: So Rick has disconnected. We'll go to John Crick with the Toronto Sun. To John, you your line is open. Played uh,
1: in the college uh, All Star games. Matthew Betts of Laval, tackle Maurice Simba from Concordia, Alexandra Savard from Laval, and the defensive end from the University of Calgary, Joel Van Pelt. Yeah, the Simba kid. Yeah, that was the one that got the attention. I think when you talk to people and you look at the size and the and the ability he has, once he gets some coaching, to maybe be a guy that goes in the in the late rounds and has a chance to, to, to be a developmental uh, you know offensive lineman. I think he would be a guy that would fall into that category of that group.
0: Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for today. If you did RSVP with a question, I apologize that I couldn't get to you in the time that we had. However, I look forward to helping you on future calls. We're going to have more here as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. So sincere thanks for your time, for your help keeping this call efficient. Have a great rest of your week.